I've taken the time to study the all 22 coaches film from the Buffalo Bills week 10 loss to the Denver Broncos. And I'm sharing my top takeaways today on Locked On Bills. You are Locked On Bills, your daily Buffalo Bills podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Bills Mafia? It's Joe Marino, author of Go Bills and Buffalo's Run, also the co-host of the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast, and I'm your host of Locked On Bills. I want to thank you for making Locked On Bills your first listen every day, and a big welcome and shout-out to our everydayers. You know who you are. Those of you who never miss a single episode, I appreciate y'all being here very, very much. I'd also like to invite you to subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team, every day. This episode is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash NFL. That's linkedin.com slash NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Well, folks, you know what time it is. Time for the All-22 Review episode. I've spent Tuesday studying this Bills effort against the Denver Broncos, and I want to share with you my top takeaways. And, of course, this comes after the Bills fired offensive coordinator Ken Dorsey. We've already done a reactionary podcast to that, so make sure you don't miss that in your feeds. But now it's time to focus in on exactly what what went wrong against Denver. Have plenty of things to highlight on offense, defense. We'll get to studs and duds. We'll talk snap counts. We'll do the things that we do here on the All-22 Review. But I want to start with the offensive side of the football, and I want to talk about dry vendors. And I know that a lot of this is going to feel a little bit strange because Ken Dorsey is no longer responsible for this operation. But these are the issues of the operation. And I think we're hopeful that a change in offensive coordinator will lead to less miscues, less mistakes, less of these frustrating drive ending moments and missed opportunities and meat left on the bone. I'm not sure how quickly that'll happen or if seven games is going to be a big enough sample size for us to really know if Joe Brady's that guy uh, to advance this thing moving forward, but that's the situation that the Buffalo Bills are in as they have seven games left to play in the 2023 regular season. But I want to focus in on these drive vendors because this is where I get frustrated. This is where I find my source of frustration. You talk about why didn't you score points? Why didn't you have a better showing? Well, what ended your drives? You only get 10, 11 drives a game. What happened on the drives you didn't score points on? So I want to focus in on that. Some of this is going to be pretty easy, but I like to see trends. Number one, your first drive of the game, you took the ball. You know what happened the first play of the game. James Cook fumble. I mean, how many times have the Bills started a game on offense on that first drive with a turnover? I mean, it's just a horrible way to start a football game. I don't need to break it down. James Cook fumbled the football. He shouldn't have fumbled the ball. Gave the ball right to Denver in plus territory. Drive two, what was the drive ender? When you're moving the ball really well, Gabe Davis dropped the football at the 12-yard line. As you're approaching a touchdown, it's going to be first and 10 from like the 11 or 10, depending on where Gabe ultimately would have gotten tackled. And instead, it's off of his hands and into the hands of Justin Simmons, dropped interception, in, excuse me, dropped pass into an interception. Drive three, you run five plays and then you punt. And the second and third down sequence here, before the punt is where I get frustrated. That's where I find the drive ender. So second down, 
Latavius Murray drops the football, and the only person that he had to beat was a slot corner, uh, McMillan, out of ECU. Small, undrafted free agent. That's all he would have to do is beat one guy, and he would have had a nice chunk. Instead, he dropped the football and didn't even have the opportunity. Then on third down, you couldn't connect with Stephon Diggs. Barely missed. I mean, you're probably... I mean, if he puts another ounce of air, if Josh puts another ounce of air on the ball, you connect and you have a nice play. Instead, you punt. Your fourth series, you go three and out. And the second and third down here, also very frustrating. Second down, Latavius Murray catches the ball in the flats, and he's got one guy to beat, and it's a nose tackle. DJ Jones, 320 pounds, drafted in 2017. And he didn't come close to out-athleting that nose tackle. DJ Jones looked like he was Luke Keekley filling out in the flats, making a tackle in space against Latavius Murray. So you, you don't get anything on second down. And third down is the Dalton Kincaid drop. Love Dalton Kincaid. You know, he's, I think he's going to be a special player for this team for a long time. But that ball hit him right in the hands, and he dropped it. Drive ender. Your fifth drive was your touchdown to Dalton Kincaid. And that play was phenomenal. Uh, cover three look from Denver. And on the right side of the formation, you send Diggs on a post, and you also put that cover three defender on that right side, on the offensive right side, a major conflict by running the wheel while having James Cook run a flat route to hold um, the the flat defender from, from buzzing too deep down. You also had a hook curl defender. It was the right play call against the right coverage and great execution. It was a beautiful thing to see. So Dalton Kincaid, beautiful touchdown reception, good play call, good scheme against cover three. Your sixth drive is Josh Allen's interception. Uh, right before the half, had a chance to go get some points, and instead you throw an interception, Deontay Hardy, the targeted player. And what's frustrating about that play and going back and studying it is how bad of a route it was from Deontay Hardy. Whenever I'm watching an interception, the first thing that I want to try to figure out is, well, is this a defendable decision? Do I understand why the quarterback made the throw that they did? And then from there, you focus on the result. Understand exactly why Josh Allen made the decision to throw it to Deontay Hardy. Don't necessarily love throwing the ball to Deontay Hardy because I think he's been really underwhelming this year, but it's it was a reasonable look. But Deontay ran, Hardy ran an absolutely awful route. As I've had a chance to study this, and you actually had mirrored routes, so Diggs ran the same route on the other side of the field, uh, and then on the uh, on the other side you had Hardy run the same route, and Hardy gets down the field. And he rounds the break. It's a really sloppy, lazy route that is literally into the coverage. And then it's very easy for that defender to undercut and, and pick off the, the ball. If you look on the other side of the field, you could see Stefan Diggs being hard into the route, snappy through the route break. And he bends the he bends the route back towards the quarterback to be quarterback friendly. Deontay Hardy just kind of rounds it and bubbles it right into the defender. It's an awful route by Deontay Hardy. I find myself way more disappointed in Deontay Hardy in his route than I am in Josh Allen in the throw and the decision. And, of course, you get the ball right back to Denver. They get points before the half. Your seventh drive, you have a turnover on downs. It's the first possession of the second half. Turnover on downs, and it's a frustrating sequence. On second down, Stephon Diggs drops the football. Would have been a big gain. I mean, he was he was isolated up on an out route against an edge defender. Catch the ball, turn and run, get a bunch of yards. He dropped it. So then on third, on second down, or you get nine yards to Kincaid, or third down, excuse me, and then you go for it on fourth and one. And this is a play that's had a lot of discussion. Dan Orlovsky did a big video on it. 
And you could say what you want about it. I think you had three legitimate chances to convert that first down. First of all, you had motion. Motion told you it's zone. And you're wanting to run this rail route with James Cook, which when you knew that it was zone and not man, you needed to not consider that rail route. There was no good opportunity to throw it. You need to go to the other side of the field where you had Kincaid in motion. Nobody goes with him. You know it's zone. And he has a nice little head start into a flat route that would have been an easy pitch and catch for a first down. Josh Allen never gets there. Second of all, Josh Allen could have run the ball for the first down. And third of all, if he makes a better throw to Shakir, I know that there's pressure on him, but he didn't really give Shakir a legitimate chance to make that catch. So yeah, failed play, but you had three pretty reasonable chances to convert that fourth and one. You couldn't make it happen. Your seventh drive of the game is the seven-play touchdown drive. Six of them were runs. Latavius Murray caps it with a touchdown. That's good stuff. The ninth drive of the game is Josh Allen and James Cook connecting on that beautiful fumble uh, that gave the ball right back to Denver. Your 10th drive ends ends in a punt, and and that's a drive that started at the Bills' 11-yard line. They get one first down, and then they stall out. And I watched the second and third down plays. There was nowhere for Josh Allen to go with the football. Denver just won that drive defensively. And the 11th drive was the Josh Allen touchdown run that should have been the game-winning touchdown. But we know how the Bills blew it there at the end. So just a a ton of mistakes, a ton of mistakes, right? 11 drives, and and, and just eight of them you have big-time failures. And the same thing with the Bengals. And We've been doing this every week for a reason, talking about drive enders, finding these execution issues. And look, I fully agree that the mistakes and issues of the Buffalo Bills offense are far more player mistakes, but when there are consistently this many mistakes by players, eventually you have to point it right back to the offensive coordinator. And you had a bunch of mistakes over a long period of time with no progress, and that's why Ken Dorsey is no longer the offensive coordinator for the Buffalo Bills have some more offensive notes, defense as well to get to here in just a moment. But these days, every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. And folks, it's so easy to create a free job post over at LinkedIn jobs. And then once you do add your job in the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile, to spread the word that you're hiring. Then simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so that you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. That's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash NFL. That's linkedin.com slash NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Folks, score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because right now, new customers can get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. So if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on that action. The app is super easy to use, and there's a ton of different things that you can bet on, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and kick off this NFL season, FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. A couple of other offensive notes that I want to get into here. Um, On the touchdown run, the Josh Allen touchdown run at the the end of the game that should have been the game winner, 
Dalton Kincaid did something super cool here. So he was that tight end on that side of the of the field where Josh rolled out. And so Dalton was kind of rolling out into a pass route. And as Josh Allen makes a decision to scramble and not throw it, Dalton Kincaid runs and puts his hands up like the ball is going to be thrown to him, which brings his defender, like his defender closes hard and tries to like play through the hands and break up the pass that was never coming. And it was such a cool play because that took another body away from Josh Allen as he's pursuing the goal line. And not that Kincaid's defender had a real chance to get there, but I thought it was just a really cool, like veteran, smart, little nuanced thing to do in that situation where, hey, you're just kind of running and lifting coverage. Act like you're going to catch the football and make guys come to you and take them away from Josh Allen. I thought that was really cool. So if you get a chance to see the replay of that, uh, you can see it. If you're a Locked On Bill Subtext subscriber, you've seen it. It's in the Discord channel because I thought it was really cool. I did a little video on it. Uh, the run game was good for the Bills in this game. Really good, strong, 26 carries, 192 yards, two touchdowns. I watched it. I mean, of course, I watched the whole thing. Um, but some of the the things that I noticed about this game, uh, their bread and butter running the football is this tackle wrap play where Deion Dawkins pulls and they introduce an extra blocker play side and he blows a bunch of stuff up and the running backs run behind it. And the Bills have had a lot of success this year running it. And they certainly did in this one against Denver. But I thought they did a good job of introducing a couple of other concepts and leaning into some other things in addition to tackle wrap. No, don't get me wrong. Tackle wrap was still a huge part of what they did. But you saw some zone runs that were pretty effective in this game. You saw some good cutback zone runs in this game. So I thought it was probably the most blended run scheme that we've seen from the Bills. And I thought they ran the ball as good as we've seen them run it all year long. And that's kind of a frustrating component is you felt like they could have leaned on it even more and maybe found some more rhythm and consistency and less mistakes on offense, but they didn't. Uh, but a really strong day for the Bills rushing offense. Murray and Cook got going. Dawkins was an absolute monster in the run game. I thought Osiris Torrance was good in the run game. Mitch Morris was good in the run game. Uh, they got it going there. I mean, uh, also the running backs, they deserve a lot of credit. They were very good after contact, which has been a major gripe that I've had this year about the Bills rushing offense. They haven't been impressed with the Bills running backs and their ability to win after contact. This game is an exception. Latavius Murray averaged 4.11 yards after contact per carry. Uh, 37 of his 68 rushing yards came after contact. James Cook was awesome as well. 5.92 yards after contact per carry. So 71 of his 109 yards in the game came after contact. So you had good blocking and you had running backs that were breaking tackles and forcing missed tackles and winning after contact. I mean, that's that's what you're looking for when you're trying to run the football. I thought this was a really good showcase for the Buffalo Bills and what they can be as a rushing offense. Real quick on the offensive snap counts here. The Bills had 54 offensive snaps in this game. Josh Allen, all 54 snaps at quarterback. The offensive line, all five starters, uh, Dawkins, McGovern, Morse, Torrance, Brown, they all played every snap, so no changes there. At running back, Latavius Murray, 28 snaps. James Cook, 25. Ty Johnson, 1. Reggie Gilliam, 1. Um, obviously, James Cook sat for a little bit in this game. A couple of series, he was benched. And it's an interesting decision. I, I understand those of you that would say, that's kind of harsh on James Cook. He had one fumble in his entire career previously, and it was his first play of his first game. He hasn't fumbled since. Like, show confidence in the guy, tell him that you believe in him and give him the rock right again, right? Like, I, I totally get that. But James Cook, when he came back after being out for 16 plays, 
he ran the ball with convictions. You talk about feeling pad level and, and hitting holes hard. I mean, James did that. And one of the things about watching James Cook, you can appreciate the production, but there are times where he kind of twinkle toes, you know, through the gaps. And sometimes you just got to go, man. And I thought that the benching, if you will, uh, led to him being a lot more of a determined runner that, you know, wasn't so finesse. And I know that James is always going to be that type of runner, right? He's, he's kind of like a tall, lean build. Like he's not really built for, you know, smashing himself between the tackles, but there's the way to, there's a way to do that and still hit holes with convictions and, you know, not be such a twinkle toes guy. I think I thought he played really well in this football game at tight end Dalton Kincaid, 41 reps, Quentin Morris, 14. I thought Quentin Morris showed some good work as a blocker in this game. And then a wide receiver, Gabe Davis, 53 snaps. Stefan Diggs, also 53. Khalil Shakir, 41. Trent Shurfield, 9. Uh, he didn't play after halftime, so I'm not sure how much more opportunity there was going to be for him. Deontay Hardy played four snaps. Last week, Deontay Hardy played three. Folks, he's a non-factor for this offense. Uh, the route running's not there. The explosive is, isn't there. Now, he's made a couple of catches like in space where he's a- able to make somebody miss and in, in make a play for the Bills offense, but there's nothing about Deontay Hardy that I see that says, you know what, give me more. And I know that's a gripe that's out there. There's people that are saying, you know, this was Brandon Bean's biggest ticket free agent weapon on the offense, and they're not getting him involved. Okay, I'm fine with that. Like, bad contract. He's a good punt catcher, but there's not a whole lot of appeal for me when I watch Deontay Hardy, and I think about how this Bills offense can get better. I, I, I don't have anywhere near high on that list more involvement for Deontay Hardy. So. There you have it, the offensive snap counts, uh, run game notes, and that little Dalton Kincaid play was pretty fun. All right, we're talk about the defense, a pretty good defensive effort, but I think they made a couple of catastrophic calls. We'll get to studs and duds and defensive snap counts here in just a moment, but you got to check out Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the funnest, most exciting, easiest way to play daily fantasy sports. The format is awesome. It's just you against the numbers. It's not you against thousands of other players, including pros and including Sharks, here's what you do. You select two or more players, you pick more or less in their projected stats, and you place your entry. That's it. It doesn't take long. Picks can be made in under a minute, and then when you win, the withdrawals are super, super quick. I love all these sports right now. I love them even more when I have a prize picks entry going into a slate of games. It just makes it that much more fun. So go to prizepicks.com slash NFL and use code NFL for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, that's prizepicks.com slash LockedOnNFL and use code LockedOnNFL for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. All right, folks, let's talk about this defensive effort, and I'll be honest with you, I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed watching that defensive tape. I thought they did a lot of really good things. I think they had two catastrophic moments uh, in terms of play calls, but for the most part, I really enjoyed it. You certainly had some missed tackles. You know, Terrell Bernard had a big whiff. That led to like an additional 13 yards. Um, you had some rush lane discipline issues, but like for the most part, you watch this defensive tape and you think, wow, that's pretty good stuff. Especially when you think about who they don't have and guys in spots that are playing a high volume of snaps that have really not been on the team for more than a couple of weeks, right? There's a lot of good going on there. Um, but I'm unfortunately left with two plays, two plays that stand out to me in a big, big way that honestly just made it easy for Denver, and I think we're directly correlative to the Buffalo Bills losing this game. And so while we are frustrated with the offense, and we should be, and there's a lot of good to say about the defense, kind of like with the Cincy game where you know everybody was like, oh, you held them to 24 points, and you really gave them a chance and all that. But like 
you look at some of the moments where they got you and you say, you know what? You had a stupid play call. <laughs> That's It's that simple. It wasn't smart football. I think it happened a couple of times against Denver. Uh, one of them would be a third and five play. Uh, it's his first play of the second quarter. And the Bills, I, I can't explain this to you because it doesn't make sense in terms of logical football. They, it's it's third and five from the Denver 38-yard line. And you got to think to yourself, you get off the field here and force a punt. Well, the Bills don't. They allow Russell Wilson to have the easiest scramble of his entire life because they don't rush the A-gaps. They had two, three techniques, two defensive ends, and nobody in the A-gaps. And so everybody rushes like outside. You have, of course, the two outside edge rushers rush the edge. The two defensive tackles run rush the B-gaps, and nobody's in either A-gap. Nobody. And it parts like the Red Sea, and Russell Wilson is able to just take off and get a first down. Folks, I mean, offensive linemen could have run and picked up this first down. You just made it easy. I mean, it's right in front of you. Like, by alignment, you know that that's a goofy alignment. And I'm sitting there thinking, surely there's going to be a looper or a gap exchange or something. doesn't happen. The middle of the field is just wide open, the easiest play Russell Wilson ever had to make. And, of course, they get the first down, and they don't score on the drive, but they do get an additional 20 yards from that spot, and that's big for field positioning because they punted it to the Bills, who punted it right back, and Denver gets the ball now at the plus 48, and they score a touchdown. Like, that's complimentary football right there. You couldn't get off the field on a third and five. They get an additional 20 yards of field position. They punt it to you deep into your own territory. You can't get a first down. You punt it right back to them. It's a bad punt. Now they get the ball at the 48, and they score a touchdown. That's complimentary football in a bad way. And so I thought that was a catastrophic moment for the defense, and I look at the alignment and the play call, and I say that's why it happened. Then, of course, the all-out blitz, third and 10 from the 45. What is there, like just a 35 seconds left in the game? Denver doesn't have any timeouts. You're up by a point. If they throw incomplete, it's a 62-yard field goal from there. Swirling wins. They had two goofy field goals earlier in the game. You got to play coverage there. You have to play coverage there. You have to play coverage. Sean blitzed eight, and he had Rasul Douglas, Dane Jackson, and Taron Johnson in man-to-man coverage against their three best receivers. You made it easy on Russ Wilson. He's got the whole world coming at him. All he has to do is just throw it in the air. And he underthrew the ball by 20 yards. And unfortunately, just the way that the world goes in football is underthrown deep balls are really good plays for offenses because it feels like almost every time that receiver has to come back down to get to the football, the cornerback is is in no man's land and they interfere. Like it's such an impossible situation to be in for a corner. But you made it easy on him. You made it easy on him. You blitzed eight. You had three in coverage to guard three. It's Jerry Judy on Taron Johnson. Russ just flips the ball up there like you lost due to alignment. Like you just can't put your guys in that spot. And you did the same thing against Jacksonville. You did the same thing against Jacksonville in a high leverage down. Calvin Ridley winds up catching that outbreaking pattern, ices the game. You did the same thing against the Bengals multiple times. It's like, why are you making it easy for these quarterbacks in high leverage situations? I know what Sean's thinking. He's like, Force a hurried throw and live with the results, and it'll be low percentage. Like, I that's the thought process, but just play coverage. Even if they get eight yards, 
it's still a 54 yard field goal or something from there. Like you live with that. Instead, it's a spot foul and they get a chip shot. And then you, of course you goof that as well. So I thought those were two catastrophic moments for the bills defense. And I put it right back on Sean McDermott for just egregious play calls. Real quick on Taylor Rapp, I know everyone's always cons- uh, you know, kind of curious about him when he plays. Uh, obviously, Micah Hyde not available, so Taylor Rapp starts this game, plays every snap. I thought Taylor Rapp did some good things playing downhill. I mean, he's a hammer. He's physical. He's not afraid to stick his nose into anything. In coverage, I don't know. He, he, he leaves something to be desired for me. I don't think he's a fast processor. I don't think he really understands like process of elimination and where routes are and where eligibles are and where to squeeze. Like I don't think that's very second nature to him. So I think he's more of a box safety, Jordan Poyer type guy than he is really a, a deep zone guy. And so that's my thoughts on him. Um, but I will say this Denver offense is also really weird. Like, can we be honest that it's pretty fundamentally flawed? I mean, what They can run the ball a little bit. And then when they're passing offense is Russell Wilson, hold on to the ball for like four seconds, get outside of structure and flick it to a running back. Like that's feels like that's 75% of their offense. So not a great opportunity to really evaluate Taylor Rapp, but uh, I thought his downhill trigger tackling was good in this game. Jordan Poyer is another player I wanted to point out. I thought uh, they played him as a low safety quite a bit, and I thought his run defense, knifing through plays, uh, playing off contact tackling was really strong in this game. So another good performance from Poyer. Defensive snap counts, 75 defensive snaps in this game. Uh, defensive ends, Leonard Floyd, 44. Rousseau, 40. Epinesa, 33. Von Miller, 22. That's 22 too many. Shaq Lawson, 13. Kingsley Jonathan, 1. At defensive tackle, Ed Oliver, 55. Jordan Phillips, 31. Linval Joseph, 29. Tim Settle, 24. Uh, you can give Puna Ford those 24 Tim Settle reps if uh, I were making the call. Terrell Bernard, all 75 snaps at linebacker. Tyrell Dotson, 49 snaps. Dorian Williams, 18 snaps. They did a few uh, three linebacker looks in this game um, on some of the more obvious run situations for Denver. It kind of worked for them. At corner, uh, Rasul Douglas and Dane Jackson played all 75 snaps. Taron Johnson, 69 of them. At safety, Taylor Rapp and Jordan Poyer played all 75. Cam Lewis, 19. Damar Hamlin, 9. Uh, when the Bills were using Poyer in the Milano role, uh, they just put Cam Lewis at deep safety alongside uh, Taylor Rapp. And then once Cam Lewis got injured, they let Damar Hamlin uh, do that role. And Damar Hamlin played nine snaps. Studs and duds real quick here. Uh, again, the criteria for studs and duds is whatever I want it to be. Uh, if they move the needle enough for me to name label them a stud or a dud. So my studs, I actually have some of those. Uh, Deion Dawkins, I thought he was awesome in this game. Big bounce back performance after I didn't love his uh, his showing against the Cincinnati Bengals. Ed Oliver, I thought was an absolute menace for the Broncos. Uh, you know, Ben Powers or left guard is going to have some nightmares about him. Unfortunately, Ed missed like three tackles for loss, including two sacks but he was highly disruptive and had some unblockable moments. Thought Terrell Bernard was lights out in this game, fast to flow, triggers were, you know, like on point, playing ahead of blocks, making tackles. He was outstanding, a tone setter for the Bills defense. He did have the one missed tackle that stands out to me, but I thought overall on the 74 other snaps, he was really good. I give Rasul Douglas a stud award here. Uh, thought he was good in coverage, followed around Cortland Sutton a lot, made some good tackles, competitive at the catch point. I think he made things tough. And Taron Johnson, I'm giving him a stud award here. Um, what he was able to do as a tackler, uh, playing in the box, getting out in space and, and making some plays as well. I mean, obviously he got the PI call that I, I guess cost the Bills the game. I thought that was a really bad position for Sean McDermott. 
to put him in, but I thought Taron Johnson was an absolute stud in this game otherwise. Duds, I've got Sam Martin down. Uh, both Denver touchdowns were set up by awful punts from Sam Martin. Line drive punts in the middle of the field. Didn't give the punt coverage a chance. Just awful punts. He's a better punter than that, uh, but he cost them big time. Again, both of the Denver touchdowns were results of bad punts from Sam Martin. And then Sean McDermott goes down as a dud. Uh, his football team sloppy, and it continues to be sloppy. It's sloppy at home. You had to have it game. Uh, too many men on the field for the uh, – field goal at the end there I mean just he's responsible for this entire operation and I put a lot back on him and as we've seen his tenure elongate as you see fundamental issues continue to be problems uh you know it's hard to not continue to look right at that guy and he talks about it being a performance driven results-based league and he fired his offensive coordinator well you know Sean you got a lot of culpability in that too this is your football operation and it's not good enough and it's disappointing to see that the failures of the past uh, have just turned out to be failures, not lessons learned. You've not applied the lessons necessary to get this team over the hump, and I have a lot of questions about you and your capacity to get it done. So Sean McDermott goes down as a dud. Thought about um, some other guys here, Gabe Davis with a big drop that leads to a pick. Um, just kind of one play for him. Maybe you wish that the production was a little bit more throughout the game. Uh, James Cook, Latavius Murray, like they had some blunders in this game, but um, – not enough for me to put him down here as a dud. Same thing with Stefan Diggs. Like, he had a bad drop in this game. Maybe you wish he had more productive production, but I'm not sure I'd label him a dud. So my duds, my official duds are Sam Martin and Sean McDermott. All right, folks, one thing that I didn't account for is that this is a short week, and I was sitting here doing this All-22 review on Tuesday and wondering what's happening to the week, and I forgot it's a short week. So we got to focus next on the New York Jets. So we're going to do our crossover discussion next, and we'll do our primer on the Jets. We'll do our final thoughts. I'm going to do my best to get her mentality in this week if I can. Uh, if I can find time to get it in, I certainly will, but I don't want to make any promises there and make sure that we're all on the same page in terms of the programming and content here on Lockdown Bills. Folks, thank you so much for being here. I really, really appreciate it. As always, I kindly ask that you share, subscribe, rate, and review. Have a great rest of your day. Go Bills, and I look forward to catching up with you again tomorrow.